Good morning and welcome to Wave Makers with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. Answering the phones for us today is recovering journalist John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation today, you can call us at 813-239-9663, and John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Today's wave makers are Ben Montgomery and Celine Sanfelice, both former newspaper reporters who gave up on print and now produce the daily Axios Tampa Bay electronic newsletter. It's the local arm of the national digital news site Axios, launched in 2017 by three former Politico journalists and founders. In 2021, Axios started a series of local news sites, including Axios Tampa Bay. Driven by Ben and Celine, it has grown into the largest circulation local newsletter among the 22 that Axios publishes. Four more local newsletters are launching, including the latest in Miami next week. Ben and Felice, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so so glad to be here and honored. Uh, and I was thinking about this on the drive over. Just let me say how happy I am every time I get to step into the studio. Uh, what is it, 40 years 42. of uh, community radio yep. programming and institution. I remember moving here, and uh, I don't know if I was sure of anything before. I was sure that MNF was the place people turn to figure out what in the heck is going on in, in uh, Tampa Bay. So uh, every time I, I step in here, it's like a sacred ground. And also, it's awesome to be here with two uh, fantastic journalists are you retired do you we consider are retired you, but once a journalist all is it recovering Reco okay fair enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, long history we're on the fourth of, step this is the fourth step and speaking of which we've had uh, we were talking earlier before we went on the air about what a massive decrease we've had in the number of not only uh, newspapers but particularly journalism jobs um, yeah. not just here but everywhere uh, in the Tampa Bay area, we once posted five daily newspapers in Hillsborough and Pinellas alone. Now there are none since the Tampa Bay Times prints only twice a week. Yeah. One of only 11 supposedly daily newspapers that only publish once or twice a week in the entire country out of the top 100. Uh, but, and both of you once worked for newspapers, Ben for the Times and Celine for the Capital Gazette in Annapolis, Maryland, and of course for a little while for the Tampa Tribune. Um, so I think all four of us worked for the Tampa we Tribune. We all four of us <laughs> worked there. That's right. Ten may, months. May she rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, five of the longest years of my life, then, <laughs> um, <laughs> before I finally spent the last 20 years at the St. Pete Times, uh, six weeks at the Tampa Bay Times. But I digress. Wow. How are things different? How, how, the, yeah. What your work you do now, how is that different from what you used to do in daily newspapers? Yeah. Celine, why don't you start? Yeah. Um, when you introduced me, you said, uh, you know, well, both of us, that we gave up on print. And I felt like print gave up on me. And and that's really hard. Um, it's it's almost like 
an abusive relationship. Like we, <laughs> I think all of us loved newspapers so much. I still love newspapers so much and I believe in them and they can't go away. Um, most, a lot of what we do is just pointing people to the great stories in the newspapers and saying, you should read this because I don't want to rewrite it. I can't do it better than they did it. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, we do our own reporting and we compete and that competition is really healthy. Um, but we're also really supported. And I never thought I would go to a journalism job where I was so fully supported uh, in everything that I do. It feels like they're they're on our team. So um, I'm just, I feel really blessed to have come back to Tampa uh, and be able to see a future for myself in journalism here, which is very rare in the industry. One of the things that's different about Axios is just the format. You know, it's got such an interesting format, kind of a prescribed format. How are, Ben, how are you, how is that working for you? Do you especially, like that format? Especially, Ben, because you, you kind of specialized in long form uh, yeah. journalism before you started with Axios, yeah. which is known for pretty much the opposite. The uh, one my swan my swan song at the at the St. Pete Times uh, Tampa Bay Times was I think a ten thousand word takeout uh, story called Why Cops Shoot that I spent about three years working on heavy data driven project took tons of man hours that is not uh, that is not at all what Axios does uh, there is some deep dive journalism of course. Uh, you know, a great example uh, that broke last week, uh, Jonathan Swan's reporting on Trump's intention to use Schedule F should he return to power to sweep uh, civil servants out of Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's that sort of stuff gets done. But uh, what we're doing is a much faster pace. We are, uh, you asked uh, just a second ago, Janet, like what's the difference in this in a, in a newsroom? For me, it's just... Uh, the pace of things, getting up every day and thinking about all of the news that's happened while I wasn't looking and all the secrets that have come out since I last tuned in, uh, all the trends that uh, exist out there that nobody is putting together and like taking all of that in, absorbing all of that, reading it, going and search for it and figuring out what it is that people want, most want to know the next day and the thing that most will help them get get through the next day, uh, sort of guide them, uh, help them make decisions on where to shop, where to spend their money, where to who to vote for in some cases, uh, which city council meetings to attend, which ones to ignore, and, the, mm-hmm. and you know, on and on and on. And uh, not so much crime news. I, I, know, I mean, this is kind of the bread and butter for daily newspapers, really. Uh, you know, we were talking before we went on the air how with the last five years at the Times, I ran the Now Desk, which was the breaking news desk, and we relied heavily mm-hmm. on, on police news. Yeah. Not so much with Axios, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's stuff that people do need to know. People do need to know if their neighbor is a murderer or why there was a big giant traffic jam on their street. Uh, and we know that they're getting that from their local newspaper or, you know, radio station or TV station. But they're already getting it. So why do we need to repeat it? Uh, there was a story that circulated yesterday about, um, you know, this son that murdered his father and the 911 tape was released. And I was like, I just don't want to push that to people because what we're doing is pushing news to people and telling them that it's it's important. And for some 
group of people that is important the the kid that killed his or the son that killed his father but for for the daily reader most of them that's part of what makes you feel so hopeless every day yeah. and we do have to put out some really sad terrible news uh and tell people that it's important but not every sad terrible thing is the most important thing that you need to see today and that's the difference in what we do um we shouldn't be uh, driving people with unfounded fear and so much of what the news business is these days is based on oh, so much fear and so when you just scare people so much they lose their center of like what to actually be afraid of I think part of this is what led us to be in a, a position with COVID early on that we found ourselves in. Well, it also, leads, it also leads to parents not letting their kids go down the street to play in the playground. Stranger danger. Or, or, or yeah. go, go ride their bike to school. Right. And so now you have these long lines of SUVs in front of every elementary school so they can pick up their kid and walk them or, or drive them three blocks home. Right. I think you're onto something there. Outsized, it's, it's, a, it's outsized fear. And uh, yes, we do bump into crime uh, occasionally. It happens to us. It's unfortunate. Uh, it's wise to know about it. We are not in the business of uh, pushing that out to people necessarily until, unless it affects, um, you know, uh, the lives of a number of people. It's a trend if all of a sudden it's a serial almost killer a or something. And I came in touch with the idea just for a second. I came in touch with the idea a few years ago uh, from this group um, that was pushing the notion that America exports a lot of things, uh, including pork belly and oil and, uh, you know, all, all sorts of commodities. And one of the things we export is... Uh, news as well. And much of the news that we export to other parts of the country is fear-based and is violence-driven and bloodshed-driven. It's the worst of what we do. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily representative. And we don't think in the same way that's not representative of the U.S. on a grand scale. We don't necessarily think that the worst of what's happening here is representative of Tampa Bay or the things that people in Tampa Bay need to know about. So let's talk about that. How do you decide what to cover? It's just two of you covering a very large area. What do you consider your geographic area? It's pretty... Northport oh. to, 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 you know, Crystal River. Right. Uh, pretty so much. A big area. And south. east to Lakeland. I, uh, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some Orlando County. news occasionally when it's stuff that people might be interested in. Grady Judd must drive some traffic to your A side. little Come bit on. once in a while, yeah. <laughs> but what is the, so the, how do you decide what to, what to run? I mean, how do you decide we where? We fight. <laughs> we get in a boxing ring and we fight about it. Well, well do you, how do you so find you, your stories? Yeah, I was what? wondering. You get up every morning and start... Prowling for news, right? What time do you Absolutely. start and, and how do you divide that up? Yeah, I start at 5.30 a.m. Uh, with some copy edits first on the day's newsletter that's going out at 6.30. So I'm saying I'm checking the news to make sure we haven't missed anything important that broke overnight. Uh, and I'm pushing that thing out at 6.30. And then I start reading. And uh, my appetite for the news is vast and wide. And I read things from all of those areas, including the main news sites, the legacy media, and also uh, you know, blogs, uh, the community postings, things like that. Um, How many sites would you say that you go to every morning that you're when you're doing your your review of of the news? I'm steady about twenty five different sites in yeah. that whole area. How about you, Celine? 
That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I start a little later than Ben, so uh, <laughs> he is tasked with waking up at, well, not tasked because I consistently ask if he wants me to do it and he says no, but, uh, you know, he does morning copy edits, he gets started, and then I'll get up around nine or so and uh, maybe make some coffee and then get started. Uh, but I will go through and I have a bookmark list of just about every news media site I can find uh, from, you know, the Tampa Bay Times. Times, to 813 Media, to the Gulfport Gabber, to Creative Loafing, uh, you know, Lakeland Now, The Ledger, uh, Sarasota Magazine, Herald Tribune, WMNF.org. Yes. Of course. And everything pretty much that I can find or can see, um, I'll start going down the list. And uh, usually one of the first things get that gets filled out in the day is our pulp section, uh, which Ben, I think, coined and created and that led the... That's the daily pun? The, yes. <laughs> the yes. news roundup. Are you running uh, out of the daily puns? Yeah, so the no, pulp is a never. news roundup? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's a news roundup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Essentially, the things from around the region that we find interesting. And how do you find those? Honestly, like I pay attention to my own curiosity and I realize I have a particular curiosity and it's not everybody's curiosity. But I think about, you know, uh, all the things uh, you think about that make something newsworthy. Uh, is it interesting? Is it, does it teach me something about myself or about the world I live in? Um, is it local? Does it affect local lives? All of these things come into play. And, then we, and, 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 and by and large, in this job, more than any job in, in the news business that I've been in, I try to follow that sense of genuine curiosity to the... Uh, I try to let that take me to the news rather than fear. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, tr I try to, um, which is why uh, honestly, a lot of times we have environmental stories because I think what the Florida wildlife corridor and folks like that have done in the past 10 years has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. People around the world are talking about this as groundbreaking. And this uh, is Florida doing something good. Doing something that's an example to right. the rest of the world is like good, a good well, thing. Well, that's, that's why yeah. we have this show called Wavemakers, because we're trying to spotlight people who are actually doing stuff, not just talking about it and not just... And we don't want to necessarily just talk about how, how bad the, the news landscape is. Right. It's bad. Right. So what can be done well, about it? Well, it's different. We yeah. can say it's different. I mean, there'll be one way to look at it. Well, there's so. just not enough reporters to cover all the news. Yeah. I mean, there, there simply isn't. I mean, when I was the city editor uh, in Tampa for the St. Pete Times, I had three court reporters covering all the courts in Tampa. Right. Now they're down to one. I right. don't know how they do it. Um, so if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom. And our guests today are Ben Montgomery and Celine San Felice um, of Axios Tampa Bay. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 813-239-9663. Send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and tell us where do you get your news. Do you, tune to, do you read the Axios Tampa Bay newsletter? If you don't, you should. Um, we've got an email from Randy Murphy who says, I love WMNF and I love Axios. It is quick, cool news. Uh, which I think is a, a good way to sum it up. So you, you do a lot of aggregating, you were saying, but you also do reporting. That must, how, you have two people. How do you decide when to do the original reporting? Especially because both of you come from that world. Ben, you, work, you just were saying a story for three years. Celine, you're, you were a news reporter. How do you decide when to cover a story? How frequently do you actually do your original reporting? 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on if we can get a scoop. Uh, if we can get a scoop on something, obviously we want to do that because, you know, it's our original reporting. Uh, we've been trying to get a lot of environmental scoops, tech scoops. Uh, I feel like we've done a pretty good job of that. Uh, we have a scoop this morning about uh, the cannabis industry. Uh, I medical- read that this morning. I was struck by that, and I learned something from that story, so thank you for educating me. I didn't realize that Florida had, was it the largest medical marijuana uh, in the country. Business yeah. in the country. Yeah. yeah, and what really amazed me about that particular story was that this company moved from Seattle, where in Washington, uh, marijuana and cannabis is fully legal, to a state where uh, we only have medical marijuana because they see the potential uh, in Florida's marijuana economy and cannabis economy. So that was pretty incredible. But, you know, it depends that I think... We each have our different source pools, and so they will feed us stories, and we'll decide whether those are worthy of the one big thing that day or, you know, if we should plan to do that. Uh, But sometimes we're just like other reporters. If we see something that is legislatively important, we will have to, you know, watch the session. We will have to go to the meeting or attend the meeting virtually at the very least and, you know, do what we've been doing since the very beginning and just sit through a meeting, take notes, ask questions, contact uh, PIO, and... um, yeah. And honestly, the pandemic has made that possible in a way that it wasn't when you guys were covering city council. Um, you you know, couldn't do it virtually back you, then. You, you couldn't. And, yeah. and, you know, it's not the same. Uh, you can't have those conversations in the hallway that right. we all know are so important are to the reporting. But we can watch an entire school board meeting and we can, you know, uh, tune in if, if, you know, if need be. But so, then sometimes yeah. you guys do take a deep dive. And I, I know uh, you did last year, Celine, with a deep dive on mental health in Florida, right? Um, so, first of all, tell us a little bit about what that story was about and also what prompted you to do that and how long did it take you? Yeah, so I had heard about the story of Mikeese Morse, uh, who was a USF student and a really prolific uh, runner. And he was, you know, trying for the Olympic trials. He went to the Olympic trials. He His goal was to be in the Olympics. And he was, um, had so much potential. But um, unfortunately, he developed very serious um, mental illness. And I, through his story, which had already been reported on at the time, it happened, I think, in 2018 when he struck a family with his car and ended up killing the father in that family. Um, that, that was reported on already. People had gone to court. People had um, taken a look at what happened. But there was so much potential there, I thought, in that his family was fighting so hard to be heard um, in that they wanted to get help for him, which, you know, when you think about the stories that we see on the news, it's usually black and white. Somebody killed somebody else, and the person who killed that other person is bad, and therefore they go away, and we never see or hear about them again, hopefully. But in this case, his parents were really, really fighting to be heard and understood. And as somebody who I am feel like I am always fighting to be heard and understood, I wanted to take a moment to sit with them. And so I talked with his mom and his sister and I really delved into what I could see as a long path of systems failing Mikey's. And it started in college, you know, when he started um, going from amazing athlete to uh, someone who was mentally troubled, 
they just didn't know how to help him. And all of these systems maybe tried. We had the Baker Act system. He was Baker Acted several times and he would just go in and out of that system. And that's not necessarily any one person's fault, but I thought that his story painted a very clear picture that as a whole, starting from you know when he first developed this mental illness into uh, when he killed um, the, the man and ended up going to, to jail and being dealt with in the criminal justice system, nobody was prepared to handle him. And there are so many more people out there just like him. So I thought he was a really good example of that. And I was really privileged to be able to sit with his story. It took me several months uh, because also at the same time, we're doing the newsletter. So I'm talking with Ben every day and I'd have to put it aside a lot of times. And then towards the end, you know, Ben covered me for a little bit and taking the newsletter on his own so that I could finish the story. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a great privilege to do that. You're listening to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom on WMNF. We're talking with Ben Montgomery and Celine Sanfelice of Axios Tampa Bay on the state of local news reporting. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, please call us at 813-239-9663. And or you can email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. So you guys um, uh, go to so many different sites and how do you differentiate? I mean, I guess you're using reliable sites. Are you wary at all of fake news? How do you know you're getting good news? How do you know? I mean, we just had this a whole story recently um, that broke this week about the Capitalist, allegedly a an independent website that was actually had turned into a mouthpiece for Florida Power and Light. So when you guys are out there researching uh, the the newsletter, how do you know you're getting good stuff? And how do you differentiate differentiate between fake news? Well, uh, you know, we're skeptical, right? <laughs> right. So we're reading everything with, uh, you know, a level of uh, uh, curiosity. Is this, uh, <laughs> where is this coming from? Um, you know, who are the sources? Who's being quoted? Uh, has the reporter observed this, him or herself? Did you ever um, look at the capitalist as a potential news source? I never came across it. I don't know if it's because FPL is, you know, mostly well, in South in, Florida. They're based in Tallahassee, so it would have been mostly statewide. News yeah, and, you know, I, I'm certain I never linked to it, um, but I don't remember ever having come across it. Yeah. You know, uh, we're aware of reporting that's been on, uh, you know, been done on uh, local media operations that, that, you know, have been accused occasionally of pay to play and things like that. We're aware of that environment. We read all that reporting. And so, uh, you know, we're, we scrutinize all of these sources and we do our own reporting to verify if something doesn't, uh, doesn't add up. Just this morning. Celine had written a very small item about the city of Dunedin's brand new effort uh, to get people to pick up their dog poop. And it had a line in it that was not attributed to anything. It was just written as fact. And it said, uh, there are 500,000 dogs in Tampa Bay and they create 125,000 tons of dog ah. poop ah. every day. And I read that this morning at 5.30 a.m. And I was like, that does not sound true to me. And so at the, you know, in a very quick fashion, I'm like, how do you do that math? And math I attributed is not my, it to the city. Maybe it was attributed to the city, <laughs> but it struck me that that was, that's a, that's a 125, to, I'm sorry, 125 tons. Yeah, 125 tons a day of dog poop produced by Tampa Bay area dogs. So I ran it down. It turns out 
average dog, uh, according to the EPA, excretes about <laughs> a quarter of a pound of trash. And if you do that math, it's 125 tons of dog poop. I have a, a dog, and I Anyways, fully believe it. Anyways, I just it. mean to say, like we 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 uh, we, <laughs> we chase it down, scrutinize everything, even dog poop. Are there any um, sites that are people might not have heard of, or that are not really well known that you think deserve more credit, and that you constantly are finding uh, good stories on? I think that, I mean, people know about creative loafing, but it's sort of seen, I think, as an independent paper when you pick it up, you know, oh, the stories are interrupted by all these, like, you know, sex ads a lot of the times, but they have incredible reporters there, and they do some serious watchdog reporting. Um, Our friend Justin Garcia uh, has done a few stories that we know that they're top-notch when he does them, and... You can see because he's he makes change with his stories. So I would say that, you know, just as much as you pick up like the Tampa Bay Times, go pick up the Creative Loafing or check them out on their website because uh, we we really like them over there. Yes, especially online because they're breaking stories yeah. all the time. They've really stepped up. And as a matter of fact, we have an email from one of our uh, from Wendy Malloy who says um, about Axios, hi, love Wendy. that you use such a variety of sources. Ben says hi, Wendy. As a creative loafing alum, ten years ago um, at the Tampa and Atlanta papers, I still get a little thrill to see the paper mentioned in your morning roundup. They're doing good work, and it's great to see the reporters getting well deserved shout outs. Um, we've got also a phone call. Let's take a call. This is um, Nav in Tampa. Nav, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to ask the, all the journalists on the panel, uh, because I, when the Ukraine-Russian war broke out, I noticed our media across the board, whether it was print, uh, TV, or radio, was basically you know, uh, cheerleading the Western NATO position. And you know, basically, Russia was evil. America and NATO is good. And I said, no, there's way more to the story than meets the eye. What, what was it in both Russia and Ukraine that made Russia so determined? And I did my own research, and I found out that eastern Ukraine is basically Russian-speaking and Orthodox Christian, just like the Russians are Orthodox Christian. Western Ukraine is Ukrainian-speaking and Catholic Catholicism rules there. It's basically a divided uh, people in one nation. Yeah. And now all of a sudden... Nav, I appreciate that question. I I know what you're getting at, and that is uh, just beyond the scope of what Selena and I do. We are... uh, If I was going to try to address that, I would just be completely out of my element taking a stab at it. So, And I don't want to do that. But but Russia did invade an independent country, and so I think that's what you're seeing. And it, it, it is a complex history. But so is the United States history. Yeah. What if we decided, what if Mexico decided to take back Texas? I also I mean, always pump the brakes when somebody says, you know, uh, you know, the media was saying, uh, or most of the media was saying, I think to try to quantify something as most requires a lot of work when it comes to the media. Who are we talking about? And maybe your view of it is uh, perhaps affected just by the media that you're seeing. And that's it's impossible to consume everything. So often I hear people say the media and what they really mean is cable news. Right. Or their particular cable news station. Right. You know, or, you know, Bubba the Love Sponge or whomever. Uh, 
Thanks for the call, Nav. Appreciate it. Yeah. And I, it is, it's a complex issue. And I think, you know, reporters are trying to do stories day to day to day. And there's other places where you probably can find more nuanced reporting about the conflict in Ukraine yeah. um, and um, Russia. But you're probably not going to find it in the daily newspaper would be what, what, what That's I would say. Yeah. yeah, as somebody who's, I think he's asking us as just journalists who yeah. are observing this. Um, so let's borrow this. This is a to borrow an Axios phrase. And I'm going to ask each of you. What's your first tap in the morning? Celine, what's your first tap in the morning? I knew this was coming. <sighs> My first tap in the morning. Uh, Tell the truth. Is it Wordle? We're not talking about coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm picking up my phone and I'm turning off the the sleep do not disturb. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, your first tap. That's that's my first tap. And then I'm checking uh, my email and my text messages. I mean, just like probably everybody does, but I'm usually seeing if uh, something hit the fan overnight. Oh, okay. So you want to know. I gotcha. Uh, did I make a mistake? Did you make a mistake? Okay. It's probably my first question in the morning. Okay, so so you want to see if somebody sent you an email complaining about something that you wrote, or that's interesting. That would be how I would be because reporters after, yeah. after Wordle reporters do live in fear <laughs> oh, yeah. right. as you're going to sleep. <laughs> did I get that fact right? Yeah, I woke up that's uh, interesting last week and I you know turned off Do Not Disturb, and I had five text messages from Mayor Ken Welsh, and I was like, oh, because I had just done a story about that can't be good. Yes, <laughs> about his trip to to. New York for Bloomberg Harvard and I was like I made a mistake somewhere I, I'm trying to be better and then it was like five text messages that were just for the wrong person and he and, you know and the process of this thread was like oh sorry you know it's for somebody else and then we joked and I said well as long as you're happy with the story yeah so we on week one we accidentally killed Lincoln and oh, in yeah. uh, oh. 1861 I think oh that's, uh, that's yeah. a I didn't even know that. So, Ben, how about you? What's your first tap? I get, I get, uh, turn, turn off the, the alarm, and then immediately I open Slack and I say hello to the copy editor, uh, oh, okay. Carlos. And it's the same thing every single morning. Good morning, Carlos. I bought him a mug uh, that says "Good morning, <laughs> Carlos" on it. Yeah, it's just checking in, and then we start our conversation. And you're still in bed when you do this, right? Uh, I have put I've put my feet on the floor. Okay. If I'm if I'm in bed, I'm I'm you know on my way out of the. Oh, that's funny. I, 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 I don't. You know, yeah, I'm on my phone out, before I'm out of bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think that that's what we see. We're trying to sell that idea. Like before you get up, you. Just uh, we'll catch you up on the, you know, the stuff you missed overnight. And, and my tagline is, "Wake up with me and Celine every morning." Well, yeah. aggregating, I think, in journalism <laughs> like circles, aggregating does have kind of a bad reputation. Oh, well, let's say that. But on the other hand, you can't read everything. There are so many news right. sites out there. Like you talk about, what twenty five, thirty websites you're checking every day, and you're probably checking different ones, Celine. Mm. Um, it makes it, people feel so overwhelmed. Yeah. And so when I talk to people and they say. I don't read the news. I can't do it. Um, I say, I don't blame you. That's totally fine. If you do want to get the news, here's what my newsletter looks like. And I think it's a useful tool for just trying to get a little bit of something every day. Uh, and, you know, the most important thing you'll need to know. And if you don't like a particular item or you don't want to read about whatever DeSantis is doing or, you know, the whatever's happening, you can just scroll past it and you're not overwhelmed like you are on social media or, uh, you know, watching TV. Uh, but I think also when you're talking about reading it in bed, I tell people that, you know, 
the version that we have grown up with of walking down to your driveway and picking up the newspaper every morning, mm-hmm. opening your newsletter, whether it's in bed or as your coffee is brewing or while you're on the treadmill or whatever, is the new version of that. And everyone has a newsletter now. TV stations have newsletters. Newspapers have newsletters. Yep. Everybody has a newsletter. And so you've got to figure out which one you want to pick up. One of the uh, one of the things that we bring to it is... Uh, I think, uh, being conscious of framing, like, I'm not sure the regular news consumer is aware of how many news stories are framed by politicians, whatever Mm -hmm. politician put out the most recent press release. And so what we have to do, because our form is so limited and we have maybe 150 to 200 to 300 words per item, we have to figure out like why this matters. And that requires you to strip away the politics from so many issues. This came up just the other day with uh, um, Nikki Freed wading into uh, the schools debate uh, when the school's chief uh, is doing uh, clearly doing the governor's bidding by um, tra- uh, saying ign- telling uh, schools to ignore the new federal uh, recommendations in terms of interpret interpreting discrimination law in Title IX to include people based on sexual uh, orientation and gender, and um, it didn't seem to me it se- seemed to me like by the time we were coming to this story, it was very very muddy and hard to parse. Who's saying what and why does this matter? Why should the regular parent care? But I think because we have 300 words in which to get across a lot of information, we have to read a lot about it. We're giving you the most straightforward, truthful, like um, sort of unfiltered 300 words without political baggage Mm -hmm. that are possible. Unless political baggage is the news, you know what I mean? Yeah, and if you want to go into the weeds, there's usually a go deeper or we we linked to that Politico story. Um, You can definitely go see that if you're interested in it. We're not trying to keep you from any information, but, you know, we're trying to think about what people are able to digest in the morning and you just can't take it all in at once. We're drinking from a fire hose every single day. I want to say we've got, um, I want to give a shout out to Doug in Clearwater who is a frequent commenter on the show and he just wants us all to know that Nancy Pelosi has landed in Taiwan. There you go, Doug. (laughs) Shout out to Doug for letting us know that Nancy Pelosi has landed in Taiwan. Um, We also have an email from James who says, a nice surprise to hear the Axios team on the show. I spent a lot of time trying to be informed, but it's getting harder and harder. It seems we've been lied so much, um, lied to so much and by both sides. Can you comment on why the American public does not trust newspapers or TV news and how to fix that so that all Americans can be informed and I think that that's really interesting because I find that myself is just so hard. You were saying, you know, that politicians will drive the stories and no matter how well reputed the source is, I've come to the point where I question everything that I'm reading. Um, are you all aware of that? When you, Do you feel aware of that as journalists when you're putting together the Axios newsletter? I think that there's a combination of things happening. So on one hand, we just got through an administration that told that that pushed this message that the media are the enemy of the people because they didn't like being held accountable. They didn't like being reported on. We mm-hmm. are, you could say, in an administration in Florida that 
is going through the same thing. And so they antagonize the press. On the other hand, you have an industry that is so strained and is controlled by people who don't particularly care about the news, who don't care if the newspaper has three reporters or 30 reporters. And so the people who are left to report the news are under so much stress and are having, it's like musical chairs. They're having to do five people's jobs in one job and they're getting paid uh, you know, as much as the person who flips burgers at McDonald's, which everybody's job is important, but... And the truth is the sacrifice. The truth is the sacrifice. So sometimes they write up a press release because they just got out of college and they have no idea what they're doing, and the kid who just got out of college last year quit this job. On the other hand, when reporters are doing a really great job and they're getting records and they're holding people accountable, they're immediately antagonized as fake news... The media are the enemy of the people. You're just trying to sell newspapers. I've heard all of these things myself. And so uh, you have to, I don't want to say cut people slack, but you have to understand how the sausage is made uh, before you comment on whether something is untrustworthy or fake or whatever it is to understand what goes into that. Yeah, you have to be a, con- a critical consumer. You have to actually be an, a, of anything, really. But the same thing goes for the news. And you can't always assume that everything you read is 100% accurate. But people are in a hurry, and it's hard to really... Sometimes they're just looking at headlines. And I like, think that's where we step in. Like yeah. we are, We're hoping to be your concierge for that. That's I've used that word a lot when we're talking internally. But like, I'm going to do that verification for you, and I'm going to line up seven or eight things that I think you need to know. It's not going to be all, you know, the most important pressing news. We're going to mix in some things that I think you ought to eat and some things that Selena and I think you ought to listen to and maybe a few activities to yeah. pass the time. And you've got some personality in your newsletter. Unlike, yeah. you know, traditional, we'll tell a joke you know, here like, I, I know that you raise chickens and you're, you like vegan <laughs> right. uh, food and, you know, <laughs> things yeah. you get to know about the writers. <laughs> right. um, and, and it's funny, we, got a, we have a uh, caller right now on the line, Dave in Tampa, who wants to talk about um, the whole model of journalism and that it needs a new paradigm, he says. Mm. Dave, you're on the you're on the the air. What's on your mind? Fix it, Dave. Hey, good morning. <laughs> I'd fix it if I could. I I just from my own standpoint, as I look at it, it seems to me that there's this mother bird approach to the news that your guests and everybody else still perpetuate. Mm. And I don't understand why uh, journalism writ large has not figured out a way to harness social media so that you can kind of crowdsource the news. And rather than continue to put more and more pressure on individual reporters like they somehow are a conduit to all knowledge, why don't you access knowledge by crowdsourcing and use skill to help people parse what's credible and what isn't, also using the crowd. Like, uh, like Wikipedia? Way, since you mentioned Taiwan, there isn't a model of this that exists in Taiwan, which nobody that I've ever, once I've heard somebody in, who is actively in the field of journalism discuss that as a credible model. What is that model? It's called V Taiwan. Huh. It's Victor Taiwan. Oh, well, it's uh, a kind of a form of social media that is kind of Facebook turned inside out. Hmm. I think so. That- are you, uh, so, so it's just you're, you're taking organic social media, um, or are you paying people to go ask questions of politicians well, and so forth? 
it's both. I mean, people are able to come online and actually participate in reporting. And at the same time, credibility is parsed out of the feed. Yeah, that's the problem, though, is that I feel like when I see so, that just the way you can manipulate video and photos and stuff now, it's just so hard, I think, to um, parse out what's real. And even when I see it on social media and I have, you know, friends who I consider to be very intelligent, critical consumers of the news who uh, occasionally will share something that is just so false you know, that there's stuff. I think there was one that was, everybody was circulating the one about Lindsey Graham swallowing a fly or Ted Cruz swallowing a fly or whatever. It looked so real, but it was went far and wide on social media before it was finally de- debunked. I'm not convinced there's anything wrong with the model of paying uh, professional trained journalists to go ask questions and seek out information. And uh, I agree. Yeah. You're missing the point. I just think You've been sitting here lamenting about how there were few and fewer reporters, which is true. There are plenty of people out there in the world that are capable of participating in that process and lending credibility. There's all kinds of garbage on Facebook, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that a credible form of social media can't identify what's garbage and what's not. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's Dave, right? Dave, yeah. I get what Dave is saying. Thank you, Dave. I think that what what you're saying, we're trying to say we're going to vet it, right? But what you're saying is that there are people out there with information and who can get input, and I've experienced that in journalism. At my last job, uh, I was punished because I was trying to get our Instagram account going. And the Instagram account would just get bounced from reporter to reporter. It was nobody's job to do it. Um, And I said, you know, listen, we could get more traffic or we could get more input if we were verified on Instagram, which is such an easy thing to do. But um, the people in charge didn't understand why that was important and didn't want to dedicate resources to that. And I was basically told to be quiet. And so... And, and like we were having a conversation yesterday about how to do our election coverage going into this primary. And I said, why don't we just ask people what they want? And I think that part of the downfall of journalism and, and print media has been that we are too in our ego to just ask people what they want. And I think what you're saying is that social media is a way to do that. And so, yeah, we have to vet the information. We can't just pull it from social media, but we can ask people what's important to them, what they're seeing, and um, and sort of take that rather than try and do it all ourselves. Well, the other thing is, I think, Dave, maybe you're getting at this too, is that it is now, there have always been activists who have gone to things like city council meetings and county commission meetings and whatever events out in the community, but they never had a platform to share what they saw or what they heard. And now with social media, they have that. You know, you can uh, you can watch a city council meeting on TV. You can go to a city council meeting. You can go and, and see that information for yourself and actually share it on social media. It doesn't necessarily require... A reporter, because I think there was also a time when, first of all, reporters are the people who have the time to go to those meetings. They're often in the middle of the day. People have to go to work. They can't go. So that's why you need to have somebody whose job it is to be able to go see what your elected officials are doing. Um, uh, And people didn't have the platform. Is that sort of what you're talking about, Dave? Yeah, I'm not saying there shouldn't be reporters. And what I am saying is there needs to be a new form of social media. That, that journalism can fill. You know, Facebook and Instagram, they're silos. 
where people go and congregate with like-minded people. They aren't, they don't really turn people out into sort of a public square or a commons where can, people can see what other people are saying and thinking and can kind of coalesce around what they perceive to be credible and move away from what is not credible. Yeah. That's, that's the model, not Facebook. Yeah, I think you're also talking about a perfect world where greed doesn't take over. I mean, Facebook just gave up on its uh, news platform. They're they're cutting funding to that. And so if people can pay to play, that's what social media can be about for a lot of things. Um, It doesn't matter if you're a credible news source. Right? I mean, that has nothing to do with news, right? I mean, at the height of their power were run by greedy people. Mm-hmm. It's a business. They're, they're in the business to make money. A professor of mine at college said, what is the business of newspapers? It is to make money. Oh, yes. Never forget that. Yeah. And that drives certain decisions. The journalism was better. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for taking the comment. Um, we're li- you're listening to WMNF, uh, Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom, and our guests are Ben Montgomery and Celine uh, San Felice from Axios Tampa Bay. Um, so we've been talking a little bit about uh, the lack of newspapers and the decline of newspapers and print journalism. But um, how does Axios work? There's an interesting story about them uh, launching in um, Arkansas. Arkansas. And tell us about that, Ben, about how that came about that Axios, Tampa, Axios ended up publishing it in, in a community in Arkansas. Yeah, so uh, they decided uh, a few years ago that they wanted to launch local newsletters uh, as a way to sort of fill the gaps in the increasing gaps in the local news market. And so right out of the gate, the first four cities that were identified for various reasons included Des Moines, Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities, Denver, and Tampa Bay. Uh, So almost as soon as we launched... Um, some business leaders in northwest Arkansas where there is sort of a news desert. I think there's a local daily newspaper, maybe some like lower tier television stations, but not much news generation out of this area that sees itself as very growing. It is, in fact, growing and has been around Bentonville and Rogers, the headquarters of Walmart and Tyson Mm -hmm. Chicken and so forth. Anyways, these business leaders put up uh, funding. I don't know for how long, but put up funding uh, to get... Northwest, a Northwest Arkansas newsletter launched. And so they launched a few months after uh, the first four, uh, and they've been going strong since yeah. then. Yeah. That's interesting, though, that they, you have business leaders who understand the value of actually having local news, right. which we actually even had here. A lot of people have uh, given the Times a hard time for taking money for, from business leaders to keep themselves afloat. But well, maybe- the biggest problem was they, they kept the names of some of them secret, so you never really knew who those people were. Well, do we, right. I don't know if we know who the Axios ones are, but but either way, point being For is Northwest that... Northwest Arkansas, I'm not sure. I don't yeah. know if that's been publicly disclosed. Yeah. 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 Um, so just go back to that. They, they launched the local the local um, newsletters in 2021, yeah. four of them, and now there are 22. And, that's right. And do you know what the plan, do you guys know what the plans are in terms of how far they want to expand, where they want to be? Yeah, there are 22 now and two more launching next week, Miami and San Francisco. Uh, or no, San Francisco launched 
yesterday. Yes. I think. Uh, the plan is to... To take over the world? <laughs> to have... Well, I think there the plan is, is an official have, Axios yeah. manifesto. We yeah. want to bring smart, modern, trustworthy local news to every community every in America. Community in America. And that's that's that. a big goal. And out of the gate, I have a friend who's got a newsletter in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. A, you know, smaller city, but a city nonetheless. As uh, Axios. No, it's not oh, an Axios. She's okay. just... You know, there are quite a few folks who have left newspapers and started their own news delivery service. Substack is a pretty good vehicle for people who want to do their own newsletter right. and, and make some money off of it. Right. A lot of them are starting as nonprofits or doing it just sort of grassroots driven by subscriptions. Well, there's also uh, one in Lakeland, right? There's a newsletter in Lakeland that somebody started, a former well, it's journalist. A, it's a news website that Barry uh, Friedman started. Uh, yeah. I worked with him at the Tampa Times many years ago. We've yeah. got a, um, another caller on the line. This is Michael on Spring Hill. Michael, um, from Spring Hill, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Yes, uh, hi. I would just like to make a comment uh, listening to your program. Uh, I, I just generally believe that most people... Uh, purposely or, or, or subliminally uh, uh, misunderstanding, misinterpreting uh, the news. They use a blanket statement uh, from what's on social media because why wouldn't you want to learn or find out what's going on at your local local level on your local news? And then, and in turn, what that does is uh, because of the outcry of saying, "Oh, the news, the news is this, the news is that." Cause I have a lot of people that tell me, "Oh, they don't watch, they don't watch the news, they don't watch the news," and. Uh, um, but all that does is it leaves a lot of people out there misinformed or, or, or out there to uh, be misinformed by people who really don't know the news. Yeah. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, we've come unmoored. Uh, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, thanks right, for the call, right. Michael. And then, and then when we turn to, when we try to figure out, you know, what... What the truth is, how do you know who to trust? Right. I think it's way more, it's, you know, for whatever reason, it's, look, we've all been doing this for many years, right? This is part of our lives is to stay in tune with the news and to read and to kind of constantly be involved. But if your job was as an electrician or, uh, yeah, and not to say the electrician don't read the news, I'm sure. But they're they, busy. But what I'm saying is that if, you're, if your job was something that wasn't a news generation, news production, uh, would you have uh, a more difficult time uh, figuring out what is, what is true and what to believe? I think so. I think it's a hard world out there, and people like Neil Gaiman and others predicted this coming a long time oh, ago. Funny. But I don't want this show to end without asking Ben about his uh, walk across <laughs> Tampa Bay. Yeah, we've got five minutes left, and we want to talk to Celine also about her experience being, uh, we talked about newspapers being under attack. So, Ben, so we want to talk about your experience being actually literally under attack at a, in a newsroom and Ben's walk. So let's finish with that, What ben. made you uh, think, okay, I'm going to walk across the bay from Seminole Heights to Treasure Island and write about it? I did this 10 years ago, and uh, I kind of knew it was coming. Uh, I, I did it for the Times and uh, shoot a car for, for a week. I did this crazy walk to St. Pete and back, and I from remember Tampa, it was kind of a magical experience. It, was, it gave me a, a, a thing. And uh, I have a kid going off to college next year. I'm sorry, this year. Um, so I've only got her for another month. And, uh, and she, uh, she brought the idea up the other day. She said, let's take a walk to St. Pete Beach. I said, all right. I told Celine the day before, hey, I might walk to uh, St. Pete Beach tomorrow. You want to come? And she thought I was joking. <laughs> and then I showed up at her house uh, the next day. And I picked her up. And we continued on 
40, what was it, 38 miles total yep. for the longer of us, and then you went about 15 or so? Yeah, I think it was about 10. Yeah, yeah. Depend, the, when you look at certain maps, it'll <laughs> say eight, some maps say but 10. But yeah, it's, it's, Treasure Island, it's incredible, though, to say, you know, Treasure Island, we saw a fever of rays off the off the yeah. bridge. It must have been a 1,000 or more rays. It was in, just the whole experience, so cool. If you can, you know, I'm not, I'd hate Did to Did anybody attack somebody. you for that story, uh, you know? For your bias in that story, was that okay? Did you? It was okay. People yeah. kind of liked that, yeah. 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 And, and by the way, we're going Python hunting next week, so uh, that's going to be. Uh, Celine is going to. You, you always pick yeah. the best weather. I mean, why not go in the well, hottest it's the, it's part the of the year? Python challenge, right? Yeah. But let's uh, ask uh, Celine what it feels like these many years later. How many is it, years has it been since the Capitol? It's been four massacre. It's been four years, and you were there at the newsroom. Yes. And uh, you became somewhat famous for a remark you made to Anderson Cooper. Yeah, that I probably which can't I think say on public. Summarized radio. the feelings of a lot of we can say um, f. Anyway, what? How are you? How are you doing? I know it's only been four years, but uh, what's it like now, looking back on that? Well, uh, it's really hard to summarize in the last three minutes of a radio show, but I feel really blessed to be here. And to live my life here and to be able to sort of plant roots. Um, I think that what I would want people to know about that experience, when I said at the beginning of the program that print gave up on me, I'm not talking about my editors or my colleagues there. I'm talking about the people who owned that company um, and Tribune Publishing, uh, which has now been bought by a hedge fund, Alden, Alden Global Capital. Those people never cared about us. And you say we got famous. I mean, we won awards. We won the biggest Pulitzer Prize that has ever been given. It was $100,000. And I think the paper spent about $10,000 tops. I mean, that's really reaching um, of that money. They chose not to spend it on people like me who desperately wanted to stay. I was begging, literally begging, to make $40,000 so I could have some future at the paper. And um, I was continuously turned down. Uh, my other colleagues who needed it much more than me, who had families to feed and you know they needed to get insurance for their kids, uh, had to leave. People who reported from a garage uh, outside, talk about weather, it was you know the end of June and they're reporting on the shooting of their colleagues from a garage at the mall. Those people couldn't stay. So I just want people to know that I'm really lucky to be able to still be in journalism and do what I've been fighting to do. But, um, you know, don't forget about us because we're still fighting. Where can yeah. people learn more about that? Uh, there was a great podcast uh, uh, from NPR, uh, from Embedded. Uh, Chris Benderev did an amazing report of us. I would definitely encourage people, if you like listening to radio, Please listen to that podcast. Uh, it it tells our story, I think, in the best way. And then Ronan Farrow has a documentary. Yes, uh, I also did an interview with Ronan Farrow uh, that is in his uh, Endangered Tapes on HBO Max, uh, where he talks to me about um, what it's like to live after a shooting like that. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank you. And glad you're still in journalism. 
And you too, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for um, tuning in. Thanks for everybody who listened. Thanks to Celine and thanks to Ben for thanks being you, here. Thanks. thanks to John Dunn for uh, answering the phones for us today. Uh, stay tuned for Harris and Nash with three hours of fantastic music this afternoon, right after NPR headlines. This is WMNF in Tampa. Thank <laughs> you.